All right, hello. Looks like our class has dwindled a little bit tonight, and everyone's spread to the four corners of the earth. Uh, but uh, glad to have you here. As we, uh, this is week two of this new study that we have been uh, going through. Uh, as you can see again, uh, there's our buddy Eeyore uh, from Winnie the Pooh. And of course, if you've ever watched that show or read the books, you know Eeyore is famous for saying, thanks for noticing me. All right, thanks for noticing me. And so that's kind of the idea of this class is we are noticing some of those individuals who, you know, maybe we don't pay too much attention to in the scriptures. And uh, last week, of course, we studied Lydia, uh, who was only mentioned twice in, in the Bible, both times in Acts chapter 16. And so we looked at her life and we looked at, you know, how she, uh, you know, obeyed the gospel as, as she, you know, heard the, the preaching of Paul. And that also she was such a godly influence on uh, her whole family. Remember, it wasn't just her who became a Christian, but her whole household uh, were baptized and became Christians uh, that day. And then we also noticed uh, a couple of times mentioned, you know, how hospitable she was. Uh, that she uh, brought those four men into her home and cared for them. And so uh, just a great, again, one of those lessons that if we don't just stop and you know, maybe examine Lydia for a class, you know, we might miss a lot of uh, those great qualities that we need to incorporate into our own Christian lives. And so uh, that was last week. Uh, we're moving on to our, our next minor New Testament figure. And this, of course, is Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, uh, however you want to pronounce that. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 uh, this evening. Uh, Luke chapter 19. Uh, again, this, you know, this is the only place where this man uh, is mentioned, just in uh, these few passages. Uh, but a little bit more uh, detail to his life uh, we'll go through. And again, not every one of these that we're going to study are going to be good examples. I think one of the classes we'll talk about Demas. And we'll notice uh, that he's mentioned three times in Scripture. And the first couple of times are positive. Right? He, he's one of Paul's um, uh, helpers in the faith. But the third time we read about him... Uh, he's, uh, Paul writes about how he's left the faith. And so uh, that's going to be a sort of a, you know, a, a negative example that we're going to look at, at of one of these minor New Testament figures. But uh, for the most part, uh, we're going to look at the, the positive qualities of them. And so, again, we'll be in Luke chapter 19. I want you to picture, uh, before we jump in, a couple of um, spiritual scenarios. Okay, so uh, number one, we have the person who knows nothing about the Bible, that he doesn't believe, uh, he, he lives a worldly life, okay? So there, there's one. Uh, number two, we have the individual who knows a little bit about the Bible, but he refuses to obey it, and uh, he knows the penalty, but again, he's just, he, he just refuses to uh, submit his life to Jesus. And then we have the third scenario of this individual who's a Christian, but again, uh, he's obeyed the gospel, but again, uh, throughout his life, he's just, he hasn't fully committed to uh, Jesus and his church. And so thinking about those three uh, different individuals, you know, what's sort of a commonality between all three of them that, that you can think of? throw out one, I guess, a, a lack of knowledge. Right? Uh, all three of them might have, we might say, you know, they have a lack of knowledge. They're, they're ignorant of what the scriptures teach. What else could we say about those three individuals? 
guess all my talkers are out sick. This is nice. They were all curious. Okay. Yeah, so I guess I was thinking along the lines of, you know, um, maybe the, the three commonalities between them are, um, you know, on the surface, we might say, okay, well, maybe they have a lack of Bible knowledge. Uh, maybe uh, they, they just don't have a strong enough faith, right? Maybe we would say uh, they're, they're stubborn. Um, maybe we would say that uh, they just simply don't care, right? And again, that's sort of a, a surface level view of those three, but a more basic cause, I think, a more basic um, you know, statement that we could say is uh, they just don't understand the value of a soul. Uh, they don't understand the value of a soul. What did, what did Jesus say in Matthew 16, verse 26? For what will a profit a man? Yeah, if he gains the whole world, but he forfeits his soul. That's sort of what we're going to talk about here this, this evening with Zacchaeus, right? Uh, your soul, right? Your soul, uh, that's who you are. Uh, that's the most uh, important thing about you, isn't it? Um, your most precious thing about you, your soul. And we would say about those three individuals that we talked about, maybe they just don't understand the value of a soul. But God does, right? God understands the value of a soul, that's why, you know, he sent his son uh, into this world. Um, I know we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, you know, the, a passage that, you know, hopefully we're all familiar with. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Right? God understands the value of a soul. And so, as we read throughout the New Testament, you know, we've got... Uh, Jesus, you know, going around, he's teaching individuals, he's uh, teaching crowds of people, and uh, his, his message that he has really resonates with uh, the crowds, right? Uh, but it's the religious uh, elite that really have a problem, um, you know, uh, listening and obeying him. And, um, you know, even though uh, we, we studied that lesson a couple of weeks ago about Nicodemus, uh, he's one of the exceptions, you know, a Pharisee who ended up uh, following Jesus. Again, it's not very common that we see that. Um, I, I love this passage in Mark 12, verse 37, that says that the common people heard him gladly. Right? Uh, the, the common people heard him gladly. Th those were the ones who were interested uh, in his messages. But um, the scribes and the Pharisees, of course, they're, uh, they always are looking to vilify Jesus uh, whenever they see Jesus um, meeting with, eating with uh, someone who they would associate as, you know, a sinner. You know, they're, they're always on top of that, aren't they? Uh, you, know, why is, you know, why is he eating with them? Why is he talking to them? Um, doesn't he know who they are? And, uh, and of course, you know, the, when they ask that question, it's pretty rhetorical, right? I mean, they, they understand what they're saying, they're condemning him. You know, how is he eating, how is he drinking with the tax collectors and sinners? Um, but of course, Jesus, uh, you know, he had an answer for them always, didn't he? You know, it's the sick uh, who need a physician, not those who are well. And you know, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repent. And 
Again, he came to save those who realized just how deeply they needed him. And that's going to be the example here tonight in Zacchaeus. And so... Um, well, we don't value our souls enough either because the more we understand what Jesus paid for us to go to heaven, the more we understand that it's all about heaven, the more we understand our souls and the love God had for us, the more quite a shining light will be. So I think value our souls will probably have to because we're so human nature stuck on the here and now, me, myself, and I. But the more we can value our souls, the more we can love and obey and be the light that he wants us to be. So I think we still have that problem today. Yeah. Um, this was sort of a competitor uh, preaching school, but, uh, you know, preaching schools aren't in competition with one another, but uh, out in Denver, Colorado is the Bear Valley um, preaching school, and they had a slogan. I think it's still their slogan, um, but I know a lot of their preachers would wear these pins on their, uh, their suits, and it would say, Think Souls. And that was their slogan, really. That's the, the thing uh, that they tried to get you know, ingrained in their preachers uh, when they go throughout that, that program, to think souls. Right? When, you, when you meet somebody on the street, don't look at them as you know, a man or a woman or you know, rich or poor or old or young, but think of them, you know, first off, as a soul. Right? And when we do that, uh, you know, that's going to um, you know, help us as we try to communicate with them, try to you know, teach them. And, uh, and so I, you know, that's just a great way to think of that. Uh, again, as, um, you know, think souls. And so again, that's sort of gonna be the, the topic of this lesson uh, here. So um, let's jump into uh, Luke chapter 19. Again, we're gonna sort of ask the question tonight, are we more like Zacchaeus or are we more like uh, those in this account who ridicu ridiculed uh, Jesus. And so, um, let's see if I can get my thing to work. Okay. Uh, so let's read the first four verses here, Luke chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 1. So he entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and was unable, to, uh, was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. So I think most children know who Zacchaeus is. Um, why, why is that? Yeah, there's that song that we like to sing, right? The wee little man. And uh, who climbed up in that sycamore tree. And so, um, so you know, he's obviously a favorite of, of little children. But, again, there, there's a lot more to Zacchaeus than uh, just that song. Just about, uh, and so we'll see that here in a moment. So Zacchaeus was a resident of Jericho. And so I just had this map up here just to kind of give us uh, an idea of, of uh, you know, where, where we're talking about. Um, of course, this is Jerusalem. And Jericho's right here. So we're not far away from Jerusalem. Or I blew it up here. Uh, so Jerusalem and Jericho. So um, pretty close to Jerusalem. Uh, and so, uh, so that's sort of important uh, because uh, we can understand why this might be a pretty good place to collect taxes. Right? Uh, because of, um, you're, you're in that region. Of course, Jericho is closer to 
of what we call the Jordan Valley, where it's a lot uh, greener and lusher, and so a, you know, prime real estate for uh, growing, and, um, and so that, that's where this man Zacchaeus is set up uh, here to, to collect those taxes, and uh, so again, probably a very wealthy area, and so Jesus is entering into Jericho, he's passing through Jericho, and Zacchaeus is identified as a chief tax collector and being rich. We've met some tax collectors in Scripture before. Uh, who's another one? Matthew, Matthew right, or, or Levi. Matthew is a, a, was a tax collector. Uh, we've met some others, but we don't know their names. But Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, so he's got a little bit of a different title than um, Matthew or some of the others. And so this probably indicated that he had a supervisory uh, role, maybe. Uh, probably had other people working under him. And, uh, and, it, and we're also told in verse 2 that he, or in verse, yeah, verse 2, that he was rich. Uh, why do you think this man was rich? Do you think maybe his earnings came legitimately or illegitimately? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention this later, but, you know, often in the scriptures we read about, you know, the, the tax collectors and the sinners, right? They're, they're grouped together in the minds of the Jews. Uh, the, the sinners, and then they also, you know, emphasize the tax collectors with them, right? Because a lot of tax collectors uh, were not good people as far as um, going about their business, Right? They would collect tax, maybe a little bit off the top uh, for themselves, you know, charge a little bit more, and they could do that. And, and, you know, and so uh, by hook or by crook, right? And so, uh, again, we don't know uh, if that was necessarily the case with him, uh, with Zacchaeus, uh, but um, you know, Jew, the Jewish tax collectors, right? Let's remember, he's, he's a Jew, and so what does that make him towards uh, his his fellow nation men. <laughs> yeah, he's a traitor, isn't he? Uh, he is working for the Roman government on behalf of the Roman government, collecting taxes on the Jewish people. And so the Jews don't like him, uh, even though he is a Jew. Uh, but they don't like him because he's working you know, for the Gentiles, working for uh, the Romans. And, and so again, you know, we, we often see the, the, uh, the disgust that the Jews had for the tax collectors. And so, uh, so here's Zacchaeus. Uh, he's rich. He's a chief tax collector. But here comes Jesus, uh, according to verse 3. And, uh, you know, we see some interesting things about uh, Zacchaeus. That, uh, first off, we notice that he was trying to see who Jesus was. We don't know why. Uh, maybe he heard of some great things that Jesus has done. Maybe he's seen some great things Jesus has done. But for whatever reason, he is interested in seeing Jesus. And so what does he do? He, uh, verse 3 tells us that he, because of the crowd, because he was small in stature, he ran on ahead and climbed up into that tree uh, in order to see him. 
we often focus so much on uh, his, his stature, don't we? Uh, that here Zacchaeus is that wee little man. And, uh, and he, had a, he had a limitation, right? A physical limitation that he could not see uh, because of the crowd. Uh, but he's got the, uh, the, the fortitude to you know, go up into that tree, right? To, to, to see Jesus coming. Uh, he wants to as well. Um, I think a lot of times we focus on our spiritual limitations, don't we, of maybe uh, some people. Uh, you know, we might, you know, uh, see like, you know, a man, you know, you know, somebody is depressed or somebody feels guilty about something. And we focus a lot on the spiritual limitations of individuals. And we don't think a lot about the physical limitations of uh, individuals, of people who, you know, th- th- that truly want to see Jesus. Right now, again, Zacchaeus was was his stature, but you know, think of today. Right, we think of individuals who uh, maybe have certain ailments that they just you know can't get to um, church services every time the doors open, but they desperately want to uh, see Jesus, if you will. Um, I know it's not a big a problem uh, here in the South, where you know you have churches. Uh, pretty close together, uh, but you know you go up to somewhere like Michigan, and you know you might have a church every you know hour away, right? And so you know we had people uh, worshiping with us in Grand Rapids that lived you know an hour north of us because we were the closest congregation. And so uh, a lot of times I don't know if we um, notice a lot those uh, those physical limitations uh, that people uh, have. Again, Zacchaeus, he's got one of these physical limitations, right? He's too small to see over that crowd, and so he does what he can to see Jesus. And so that's uh, an important aspect that we got to realize about him is that um, he did whatever it took to get to Jesus, to see Jesus. Now, some of those limitations aren't necessarily because of ourselves, but some of them are because of others. Uh, who in this story was uh, causing some of that physical limitation for Zacchaeus? Yeah, the crowd, right? The, the crowd was in his way. Uh, whatever reason, maybe they didn't let him through uh, to uh, view Jesus coming. And so he had to, you know, again, be on the initiative and go up into that tree. Um, the crowd, right? Um, you know, again, apply that to ourselves. Uh, can we, uh, as a crowd, as a church, again, um, ha- cause some of those physical limitations for people? <clears throat> maybe when we don't, you know, reveal him to others. Uh, maybe when we uh, don't see potential in others. You know, again, uh, wh- what do you think the people are thinking of Zacchaeus? I mean, do you think they feel sorry for this man, or do you think maybe they're chuckling at him a little bit, maybe making fun of him? I mean, the, the, we know that the, the Jews uh, weren't uh, necessarily um, tall people, I guess is the best way to put it. And uh, so for him to be even shorter uh, than sort of the normal Jew, right, um, you, know, you know, maybe the crowd there is sort of 
laughing at them a little bit, you know, and uh, making fun of them a little bit. But that didn't stop him, did it? Uh, he could have gotten, he could have felt sorry for himself. He could have went the other way. Um, but he was determined, again, to see Jesus. And so, again, the crowd, right? The, sometimes the crowd, sometimes we, as the church, can uh, limit other people from coming to Jesus. And so, uh, so I'll just put these up here. So, you know, that's the first point that we want to notice here with Zacchaeus is that by climbing that tree, he exhibited zeal and resourcefulness, and he did whatever he could to get to Jesus. Right? Uh, it didn't matter his stature. Uh, it didn't matter to him what other people were thinking. Right? He, he did what he could uh, because he wanted to see Jesus. And uh, Jesus is going to reward him for that. So let, let's notice that here, uh, verses 5 through 7. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Has anyone ever invited themselves over to your home? <laughs> Some head shaking, yeah. You weren't expecting it, you know. Uh, maybe the house wasn't clean, uh, you have no food at home, you haven't gone to the grocery store, and somebody invites themselves over to your home. That's, what, that's what's going on here, isn't it? Uh, I guess in that culture, and, probably, and even so today, you know, you didn't do that. But here we have Jesus inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' home. And um, again, for those, those pious Jews that are listening to this or watching this, you know, they're thinking to themselves, I'd never, you know, enter the home of a tax collector, right? Again, the sinners and the tax collectors, uh, what's this man Jesus thinking, right? Or, or I'd never sit down at his table and eat and share a meal with them, right? Because, you know, again, uh, maybe, uh, you know, it's the uncleanliness that they're getting hung up on, right? These these tax collectors deal with uh, money, and you know maybe they've touched something unclean, and now they're handling the food, and you know so obviously you know they're they're sitting there grumbling at this, uh, but Jesus again acknowledges Zacchaeus, you know he sees him up in that sycamore tree, and he tells him to come down, make haste, because I'm coming to your house today. Is there any personal inconvenience here on the part of Zacchaeus? Yeah. yeah. Again, we could ask: Was was the home uh, picked up? Was, was there food? Is there enough food at home? You know, does Zacchaeus have a wife, and is you know is she going to be prepared for this? And but again, notice his attitude there in verse seven um, or verse six. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly, uh, or rejoicing. Right? That's the attitude of Zacchaeus that. Uh, Jesus has invited himself over. Again, he knows something about this man, and he is excited about this. He's receiving him joy, joyfully, and his joy is contrasted uh, with the disdain of the people. 
right? He's, he's, he's joyful about this, but they are grumbling. Has he gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? I want to read Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Uh, this is a passage that, you know, sometimes we'll use when we're talking about uh, the collection. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, uh, where uh, Paul writes, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Is that Zacchaeus right now? Yeah, he, he could be uh, acting begrudgingly, right? Uh, that this man is asked to come into his home, and uh, we see that, uh, that's not the case, right? Uh, he's, uh, he's got a cheerful attitude about this, and uh, again, that, that verse is not just about the contribution, but it's about you know, the, the, the Christian's life, the, that we should always uh, be like that. Now, um, this may have been an inconvenience for, for Zacchaeus, uh, is following Jesus an inconvenience for us as Christians today? Letting Jesus into our home? Do we sometimes feel inconvenienced about that? We shouldn't. Yeah, right, we shouldn't. But, um, you know, sometimes we... we, we Maybe feel that way, right? But but we shouldn't. Uh, and so <laughs> Jesus invites himself over. Zacchaeus is going to joyfully accept this. Uh, but again, verse seven. Uh, again, we, t- we 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 turn back to the crowd. Uh, they begin to grumble, saying, "He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner." And again, this is nothing new, because uh, when we read the account with uh, Matthew. You know, when Jesus, Jesus goes to Matthew's home and has that meal as well, uh, that's pretty much the same scenario, right? That uh, how could he do this? How could he go and eat with these sinners? And, um, but again, what is Jesus focused on here? Right, absolutely. He, he's focused on Zacchaeus' soul. Right? He's not worried about what the crowds are thinking. He's not worried about uh, any of those things. His interest is reaching Zacchaeus. And so let's, uh, let's finish uh, the story here in verse 8 through 10. And so Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, uh, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So what's that sound like to you there in verse, uh, verse 8 where Zacchaeus says to Jesus, he stops and says to him, Lord, behold, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. What's that sound like?
He's going to go beyond and above what uh, he was required to do. Yeah, uh, if we were to go, you know, read the old law, uh, the old law demanded a restitution of one fifth of uh, what may have been stolen. You know, so if Zacchaeus collected illegally, you know, a hundred dollars from you, uh, and he was to give you restitution because of that, he would he would have to owe you one fifth. Uh, or a, a one-fifth upon that, right? So uh, he would owe you $120, right? But uh, Zacchaeus says here that I'm going to give you four times as much, right? So if he uh, stole from you $100, and if he wronged you that way, he says, I'm going to give you 400 Again, that was way more than what he had to do. Um, you know, this is, this is someone who's excited, isn't he, about, about Jesus, uh, excited about um, turning his life around, uh, giving his life to Jesus. Uh, you know, again, he's, a, he's this wee little man, a tax collector. He probably thinks Jesus would have nothing to do with him. But Jesus is concerned about him, right? About his soul. And so he is going to, again, as he says, I'm going to give back four times as much. And he also says there in that same sentence that... I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor, right? And so uh, he's being uh, extremely benevolent here. And, uh, and so Jesus there in verse 9 says, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Now, again, Jesus didn't call him down from that tree because he was righteous, right? He, he calls him down from that tree because... He was there to seek the lost. And, uh, you know, Zacchaeus is an example here of one who needed salvation, and he's an example of one who properly responded to it, again, just like Lydia did last week. And Jesus refers to him as a son of Abraham. Now, what do you think that means? Jew? Yeah. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 11 uh, mentions, uh, Paul mentions, or calls Abraham the, the, the father of the faithful, right? Um, uh, you know, the, Abraham was that man, that Jew that they all looked up to, right? And so uh, he was the father of the faithful. But today, um, do you and I want to be. Um, Oh, how do I say it? Do you and I want to be uh, connected to Abraham in some way, shape, or form? A shock, probably, uh, for uh, yeah, for him to for him to do that, right? And so, you know, Jesus is declaring, you know, his um, 
you know, the salvation has come to his home, right? Uh, he is, as he said, he is, <clears throat> again, he is a son of Abraham, which, again, to the Jew is a great thing to hear because uh, he's, you know, the greatest of the Jews. But to us Christians today, uh, we don't have that blood connection, do we? That, that doesn't matter today, does it? To be physically uh, connected to Abraham. But there is a spiritual aspect of that, isn't there? Um, I was going to read Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, where it says, And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. All right, so if we belong to Christ, if we are Christians, then we are, we are Abraham's descendants, not physical descendants, not that we have Jewish blood coursing through us, but... We are heirs according to promise. So that's, that's a special thing, right? We are the heirs according to promise. And so, if you belong to Christ, you are heirs according to promise. So, Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus is somebody who uh, we notice, again, uh, only mentioned here in the Bible, in Luke chapter 19, but his story is so important. You know, I was going through my files today and, uh, of uh, sermons that uh, I have collected from other preachers, and you know, just, it, it amazes me of how many sermons uh, that I have saved of, of, of sermons that other preachers have preached on Zacchaeus. Uh, he's just a very popular uh, account in Scripture to uh, study, and uh, just a lot of different lessons that we could learn. I was going to leave us with uh, one last um, Scripture to read. Uh, before the bell rings here, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Uh, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. Again, that's, that's what it's all about, right? That's why Jesus came to earth, to seek and to save the lost, and uh, th does the church play any part in that today? We ought to, right? Uh, because uh, we're, we're continuing that, that mission, and so uh, appreciate uh, everyone. I'll be, again, away next week, and so I'll have a substitute, and then we will jump in with uh, Joseph of Arimathea in a couple of weeks.